This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen. Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. Views and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent views of the Whole Care Network. Always consult your physician for medical and fitness advice, and always consult your attorney for legal advice. And thank you for listening to the Whole Care Network. Peace requires action. I truly believe that. It just doesn't happen in a vacuum. We all have our stories, and by sharing them, we can truly show the power of the human spirit. Hello, my name is Jody O'Donnell Ames, and welcome to another episode of G2L. I'm calling it that. I might have to get t-shirts, actually. Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and Hope. My guest today is a dear friend. I think I've known him. I want to say about three or four years now, and he continues to inspire me. And I'm super excited to have him on the show. His name is George Anthony. He is an accomplished educator and conflict resolution specialist. Yes. Currently serving as the United United Nations Pathways to Peace representative. He has appeared on 2020 CNN And he does everything each and every day to spread awareness of tolerance, leadership, and adversity. I know that he's grateful and he's the perfect guest for this podcast. So welcome, George, to the show. Thank you, Jody. I am honored to be a part of your show and I look forward to this conversation. It's interesting because we've had many powerful conversations. I think... (laughs) Looking back, we probably could have written a book by now with some of our conversations, and and maybe that's something we need to do together in the future. Yeah, well, it's I, one thing I, I think is is our lives is always a work in progress. Our circles are small, meaning that we both believe in hope and we both believe in the ability of change, positive change. So yeah, every conversation gives us an opportunity to sort of explore that and develop and moving forward and uh, giving our best to the world and hopefully taking something back and creating that change we hope to be in the world. Yeah, I, you know, it's really powerful when you think, which we both do, and we'll get to that, but when you think about the fact that you have the ability to create change, I mean, that's a really powerful statement. We are just individuals, right, with big hearts and big dreams, and and we believe, truly believe, that we have the ability to create change. So before we will get to that. And before we do that, I always start with something because it it's important to me. And that is a childhood memory. So I share with my audience that I was a child who was an empath, very sensitive, maybe had some low self-esteem issues. And, but I always cared about people. I did things as a seven or eight-year-old that really now, as a 55-year-old, I recognize that these are all behaviors of someone who truly wanted to make a difference. So I like to 
ask my guests if there was a story of when, you know, of childhood that really parlays into who you are now. Did you recognize that in you back then? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting when you say childhood, because uh, you, you think about before it says that the, the uh, father is the child of the man. But at the same breath, I often think of my, my own father, who was I, I always saw as a foundation. We didn't always get along. He was old school, Brooklyn old school. I guess <laughs> if you can hear my voice, is a, a, quite, there is a tint, a hint. Brooklyn, as my aunt would say, you can take the boy out of Brooklyn, but you can't take Brooklyn out of the boy. So this Love is it. who I am. It follows me wherever I go. My dad was a great teacher in the sense that I saw, I always saw in him the way he saw others. People always come to him for help or for an answer. His name was Bill Anthony and he owned a factory in New York, but he always gave work to people. He always, people came to say, Bill, I need help. Can you hire this person or can you help me? And, and my father was always the first to say, we'll find a way, we'll figure this out, we, we will do it. And even as an eight-year-old, nine, 10-year-old, and I'd be working in this factory, I just watched the way... He embraced every person who came into his life. He, he sort of like saw everyone for their best, regardless. Mm -hmm. So he didn't always do it worse. He just did it with that, that he always created a safe place. And so I think I kind of took that with me wherever I go. I always try to sort of, whoever I meet, I just want to instantly try to create a safe place. Like this is a place where you'll be validated and this is a place where you're safe we can always figure things out together. So that was for my dad. And then I lost my dad at uh, 17 and a half. He died very young, 53. Wow. The, I guess the problem was everybody in his side of family lives forever. They live way into their 90s. And even I have my Aunt Rose, who's 99 years young. She's still youthful. And you, if you met her, you'd think she's in her 60s or 70s. But my dad just had blood pressure. He didn't really take it seriously because he just said, look, in my family, everybody lives old. And, and as a result, we lost him to a stroke. But in the same breath, I get to honor him every day. I, I get to uh, say, Dad, I'm doing this in some respects for you. Well, I get to honor you by this action. So even though he's gone physically, he's still with me spiritually. So that plays a big role in my life. That's powerful. And not the answer I expected, because um, you said you didn't, have the, didn't always have the best relationship. But it, it's incredible how... Years later, we, we have this level of understanding, right? With age, we understand who we are and how we got to be who we are. Yeah. You mentioned he, he owned a factory yeah. and you were eight or nine years old in the factory. What, what kind of factory and what were you doing? It was, it was clothes manufacturing. So uh, he, he was sportswear, women's sportswear, but it was a giant factory. I mean, literally, uh, you can get lost in it. And uh, my job young was to sweep and then eventually to move close throughout to the garment district. The samples move it to another, another manufacturing company or bring it, get in to ship it. But, you know, you start young sweeping, cleaning, and then as you stay in, in the work, you sort of move towards cutting, pressing, and so on and so forth. But at the same breath, he hired many people. He had sewers, he had cutters and presses, and of, of all diversity, all races, and he embraced everyone. Everyone was a, was a human being first and a human being second. And that's all I saw. He didn't, wasn't looking for anything other than we are, we are all in this together. So mm -hmm. I often bring that attitude into the classroom with my students. When sometimes people say, or parents say, you know, you taught my son so much, you taught my daughter. And I said, no, we taught each other. We are in this together. We are partners in peace together. And one thing about life is you never stop learning. You never have to stop learning from each other. So, um, that is a role that I relish uh, every single day. Well, it sounds like he also instilled 
an enormous work ethic in you. I mean, just think about what you just said. I mean, most eight-year-olds are playing with cars, right? They're playing with toys or playing with cars. You were given, you had a job. You were given responsibility. And so I recognize in you that you are a hard worker. And I think that having that mindset is key to accomplishing things, right? If you have a vision and you want to get something done, yet you don't have the energy or the know-how to create action and make things happen, then nothing changes. Right. Well, he had a saying, and it was always, to get something done, you have to begin. So I'm I'm a big believer in that. But at the same time, everything I do, I I do because I love to do for the most part. I mean, I do have things I I run away from. I I hate painting, (laughs) but, you know, but I'll do it. But it's something I don't, I take no joy in. But I love teaching, whether it's peacekeeping, peace building, baseball, softball, basketball, whatever it is where I, I can sort of take someone and see their potential and then develop that and push them forward. Keller Gibran had a beautiful saying. He said that, um, I think something to the fact that we are arrows and God is the bow. And, and what he does is he puts us on the path of the infinite. So so as an educator, I see my students as arrows and, and their journey is the infinite, meaning I will put you on this path and I will give you the tools to create a journey. I can't follow you in your journey, but I know if I can give you the right tools, you will create change all along that journey. And that's something I kind of bring into the classroom, subconsciously and consciously. You are facilitating their learning and their futures. You are helping them to establish the basics, you know. Yeah. And they are so lucky. They are so lucky <laughs> to have you as a teacher. I taught for four years. Yeah. And I know the impact that truly inspirational teachers have on students. I I remember receiving letters like decades later and they're so lucky to have you. Well, I'm a product of great teachers in my own life. I think I became a teacher because of my fifth grade teacher, Chuck Eberle, Staten Island. I wanted to be him. I think as as young as fifth grade, I wanted to be Chuck Eberle. And I think that gave me the basis. And then I think when I was 14, I saw To Serve with Love uh, with Sidney Poitier. And I said, I want to be Sidney Poitier. So we have great teachers growing up, whether it's our parents, whether it's our family members or friends, our neighborhoods. All of, These are all our teachers growing up. So we take what we learn from them and then we apply it uh, in our own way, in our own worldview. It's one of the things I always teach my students is we all come into this classroom with a different worldview. I, I did not see what you saw growing up, so I don't know what you saw. I did not hear what you heard growing up. So I don't know what you heard. I just know that together in this classroom, I will share what I saw. I will share what I heard, as well as you will share your your you know points of view and your perceptions, and we'll learn from each other. And uh, I think that's real important that people seem to forget that each one of us comes into every dynamic, every relationship, every encounter with their own worldview. So you can't force them to agree with your worldview, but you can always try to get them to understand your worldview. And I think that's something that's missing quite a bit in the world today. The whole idea of just moving towards understanding. We always have to agree, but we can try to understand. You just encapsulated the importance of mentoring. Yeah, teaching. How important mentoring is as a teacher. And it it brings me to my next question. Mm. And if someone were to ask you, what are three adjectives that describe who you, this is two part. That's the first. And then the second is, what gets you out of bed in the morning? These are important questions to who you are and then what you bring to everyone you meet. Uh, yeah, that's, um, that's great. Three adjectives. 
Jody, I'm hopeful. I, everything I do is, is always towards hopeful. I'm not one to, who sees the negative. I, I guess I see, always see the cup as half full rather than half empty. So I'm always hopeful. And I think, I thank God that I have, that I believe in God, that I have a strong faith base. I have a, a wonderful, beautiful wife who gives me that foundation of, of faith base, of giving it to God and knowing that you have a partner. If you can't do it alone, you can always basically give it to God and, and God will provide at some level that point of hope. I'm also one not, if you put an obstacle in, in my way, it, that obstacle is not there to stop me. That obstacle is there to teach me. And I'm a big believer that uh, we learn from our, our struggles. Frederick Douglass once said, uh, without struggle, there can be no progress. And I think a lot of our development in life is from our struggles. We learn through our struggles and we adapt from our struggles and we grow from our struggles. And that's key. I think a lot of people will look to go the other way. I'm, I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to drink. I'm going to deny. I'm going to ignore. When no, that there's an obstacle in front of you. There's a conflict in front of you. Let's deal with it. Let's learn from it. Uh, and let's move forward from it. I think that's, that's so important that if we can just apply that in our lives rather than hide from it or run from it. So that's a big part. We can't escape obstacles. They're going to happen no matter where we are, how old we are, how successful we are. There will always be obstacles. So once, as you're saying, once we learn mm -hmm. how to face them and to do our best to solve them, the better we, better off we are. Yeah, no question. So I, I guess that's two adjectives. I'm, I'm not sure of a third adjective other than I just believe in people and I believe in in that there's always a somewhere that we can help each other. Tenacious, I guess I should say I'm tenacious. You can't, if, if you say you can't, I'll say, yes, I can. So um, I, that's, I guess, the Brooklyn in me. Um, it just gets me going. I think that I get from my mother. She's an extremely tenacious individual. And so uh, I think that helps me in, in my being. If you push, uh, you know, I'll move to the side for a moment and then push in another direction, but it's not going to stop me. So, yeah, so those three adjectives at some level. And then there was another second part to your question. What was that again? It was, so I want to I want to pause for a second before we go into what gets you out of bed in the morning. <laughs> right. But I think everything you just described really is definitive of an activist, right? A, a change maker, mm. a, cha a game changer. Anyone who's ever accomplished anything has to first have a vision, right. has to be willing to dedicate and commit to that objective, mm -hmm. and then has to have the energy right. to see it through. Otherwise, it's just an idea. Yeah. It, it's in our work, in our line of work of, of community building and peace building, uh, I have another good colleague of mine, Lindy Crestillian. We've done a lot of work over the years, and we always say there's work to do. There's, you know, let's get up. There's work to do. Peace is work in progress. I said that before, but there's always work to do. It's Peace doesn't happen if you just sit and wait for it to happen. Peace happens because you create that opportunity to make it happen. So um, there's always work to do, but it's to me, it's not work. It's life. It's what you do. It's what God gave you the opportunity to do. Every, when I'm in church on Sunday and I'm praying, I say, God, use me as, as an instrument of your peace. Wherever you need me, send me. I truly, truly believe that. I say the same thing. Do you? Yeah. So it, daily, it's, daily. Yeah, it kind of keeps you <laughs> keeps you focused and honest. But peace requires action. I truly believe that. It just doesn't happen in a vacuum. I often say to my students at the same time: if if 
Well, one time, I'll give an example. Uh, Lindy and I were doing a workshop once for students at Rutgers. This is just right after the Tyler Clemente when the young man sadly, sadly took his life because of the bullying issues that were going on. But the, we were in front of about a thousand Rutgers students who were doing something dynamic and positive in his name. And I said to them, look, just three hours ago, this field was empty. It was an empty field, just green grass. And yet, here you are three hours later, it's filled with your energy, it's filled with your promise, and it's filled with the promise of doing good in the name of Tyler. But you're doing good, and from this good, other good will come out of it, and you will make a difference in the lives of others. So, I mean, for me to be a part of that was amazing, but it goes to show that peace requires you to sort of take that action and create that action, and as a result, other people will benefit because of that action, and that's important. It's and so that important. action if you don't mind me no, adding, no. gives voice to the issue. Oh, absolutely. It gives life to the issue. And I think for a lot of people, you need to live a, a purposeful life. I mean, so many people basically are trying to live their lives just, I mean, at night, I, I, I'll admit, I, I veg on Netflix from time to time after a long day. <laughs> you know, you need that. But at the same time, during the day, you need to be out and creating something that, that you can take ownership of. And one of the things I, I truly teach my students is to take ownership of the skills that you're learning. Because when kids take ownership of it, it belongs to them. I'm not a teacher that goes in and says, okay, here's, write this on a board, and you're, like, you're going to have a testimony at the end of the week. That means to me nothing. What I want them to do is think, okay, how do we create change? What will you do? What can you bring? I'll give you a quick example. Sure. I was at a subcommittee meeting on refugees, uh, especially right after the Syrian diaspora, where all these people were fleeing Syria because of the civil war. And they were flooding into Turkey. They were flooding into the Greek islands. And they had nothing, but they had their children. But at the same time, their biggest concern was, my children aren't learning. They're just wallowing in, in, in this emptiness. And they need to learn. And so, I believe it or not, this was a subcommittee meeting. And I took a few of my students, 14-year-old students, about 10 of them, to this meeting. And I had them sit in the back behind me on chairs. And I just said, pay attention. So what I'm going to ask you to do is pay attention to this meeting. And the next day in the classroom... I want to just pause for, for a moment. Go ahead. Because 14 years old, having the opportunity to partake in that kind of meeting... Yes. And to be exposed to issues beyond their experiences. Yes. To other life examples and challenges that would not have happened had you not given them a chance to sit in and just listen to that conversation. And yes. that's something exactly what I would have done as a teacher. You Exactly. You have <laughs> to take them out of their box. You have to take right, them right. out of their, their town. There, there is a world out there that is bigger than us. But I want them to know that alone you're one person, but together we are a force that can make this kind of dynamic change. So I, I run a program right now. It's, it's in modern day prep high school called the Global Leaders Institute, or the, Emerg or the Global the Emerging Leaders Institute uh, we have a thousand names, but basically it's the Emerging Leaders of Global Institute. But the idea of this institute is to take them out of their building, of the building, and bring them out into the world and let them see what's going on, And but give them a place where their voice matters. And so they walk with me as a, as a UN representative for Pathways to Peace. Pathways to Peace gives me the, the ability to take some of my students into the United Nations and sit side by side with world leaders, with diplomats, with representatives, and hearing firsthand what's going on in the world. But I want the UN at the same time to see the faces of young leaders because they will be sitting in their seats in another five to 10, 15 years right. making policy. 
So right. for me, you're never too young to start. So getting back to my, my students, I looked at them. I said, okay, now you heard the, the, the torment in these parents' voices. There is a blank board in front of you. You have 45 minutes to get up there and fill it up with your ideas, with your creativity, with your idealism of how you can help them. And I just got out of Actually, I didn't get out of the way. They knocked me out of the way. They just yeah. ran up, divided the board into three sections. One was technology. One was physical activities. And the third was digital technology, but a, but a digital learning board, coding out. And what they did in that 45 minutes is they gave, a, they created a platform, a digital learning platform of where teachers can send lessons K through 12. So anybody with an internet or wireless connection can access lessons to learn. So so what they were saying is, Miss Anthony, they can't get to a classroom, then we're going to bring the classroom to them for free. And they coded out an entire website called prepforpeace.org. So, so it was implemented? Yeah, they did it. They did it within three months. Prepforpeace.org. You know, it's modern day prep, but we took out the modern day and created just prepforpeace.org. And what happened was the UN loved it. The UN actually had them the following year at the International Day of Peace present their workshop. But I often think they sat on a two-hour meeting with me. The next day they had 45 minutes. And from that 45 minutes, they created, they had three months to sort of build this platform. And that came out of the ability that they were not afraid to sort of say to the world, we're here to sort of give our place, give our voice, give our, our love, our, our talents to the world. And that's what you do. But they, the, I think the biggest important thing is they felt ownership and responsibility to those refugees, but at the same time to creating something. And that's the power to when you teach students and give them the tools to create that change, that they own those tools and they carry it forward. So I just want to say, first of all, yeah. kudos to you for that teachable moment, for helping them to solve a problem, right? For giving them the, the information, the opportunity, and the tools to solve a problem. Not only did that help a community of refugees, but if you think about what that did for those individuals, those students, right? It gives them confidence, empowerment, um, mm -hmm. possibilities. Yeah. And 14, I mean, yeah, fourteen. I would have done anything to have, I mean, I think at 14, I was training to be a student council president, but that just takes it to a whole nother level. Right. And that is ultimate teaching. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate that Pathways to Peace, which is one of the largest peace building organizations, NGOs at the United Nations, provides that opportunity and believes in what they call a culture of peace. So the, everything I, we do is comes under a culture of peace initiative, which I'm very proud to be a part of, supported by Aiden Madison and Tezekiah Gabriel. So we're very fortunate to have these two dynamic peace builders providing that platform, as well as, as the board of directors at Modern Day Prep, who allow me to do this. And basically, that's what I do because I'm retired. I retired from teaching in 2015, but uh, Modern Day Prep said, we will give you the platform to create this change and impact our students. So the, the nice part is our students are not just impacted on a global stage, but they also take that impact to a local and national stage as well, because everything they do is based on community service. And that's a big part of ownership. Well, I can't wait to come see you in action. I can't wait to physically be a part of the United Nations um, as a yeah. delegate. And beyond, beyond the power of what you just shared, I'm guessing this is, these are the reasons why you get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, it's to teach the lessons that are out there to be taught. I mean, it's, it's just not, it's, it's not just arithmetic. Uh, it's not just reading. We have to teach our young people to be 
human beings to care, to, to, to create. And, and that's, that's key. Yes, rhythm, you know, math is important. Science, of course, is important, especially in this day and age. Technology is important. But what is all that if our students aren't caring human beings? And that's, I think that's part of what we do, but what you do and what I do is to sort of create that, to give them that, that base, that foundation to build, to love, to hope, and to create. And that's, that's extremely important. You're not only giving them the foundation, but you're giving them a place to apply it. Yes. The application, which is a huge and important part of the whole process. If you have information and you don't apply it, you lose it. Yeah, it goes back to the mustard seed. If, if you put the mustard seed in your palm and you, you close your hand, it's just the mustard seed in your palm. If you put it away in a safe, it's just the mustard seed in the safe. But if you plant it and nourish it and cultivate it, the mustard seed goes into a, a beautiful plant uh, that can nourish others. And uh, I think that's what we try to do with our lives, to create and nourish others. So we both, we all benefit. Look, when our students benefit, we benefit. And that's, we, we seem to miss that point a lot with teaching. We need to nourish our young people to become peace builders and peace leaders in our communities and to, to, place, to create a bridge where we can all learn from each other. That's important. So I have a, a question for you regarding that. So you're in this role. You are around students. Mm-hmm. How are we doing as a society overall to teach tolerance, acceptance, inclusion, these topics that are so meaningful? I, I think it goes back. When I first started teaching, I started out as just a history teacher, teaching psychology, coaching baseball, softball. But I taught psychology. But I'll tell you something, Joy. What changed my life, and I think this needs this gets applied and goes to your question. What happened back in 1989? There was a there was a horrific death in Brooklyn, New York. A young boy named Yusuf Hawkins was killed in Bensonhurst um, by a youth, white youth, I guess, who offended uh, that a young African American male was walking in their neighborhood, and they took his life. And the next day, the paper said, you know, it was a wrong time, wrong place. And the implication was he, he died because of the color of his skin. And I looked at my colleague and I said, they're, they're missing the bigger question. And the bigger question is he didn't die because of the color of his skin. He died because these young men had such hate in their hearts, such hate that they felt they had a right to take a life of another. And I think when we're talking about our country, this world, we have to look at the idea of what rhetoric is doing to our, not only your young people, but to our families. The idea of hate rhetoric, the idea of divisions, the, the idea of us versus them. If you're not with me, then you're against me. And when you have these divisions, it's a very simple. A house cannot stand that's divided. We have to ask, what are we doing to address the ideas of where we're not talking about inclusion? We're not talking about diversity. We're not talking about understanding. Again, when I always, I, whenever I teach my students, I always say we never have to agree with each other. We don't have to agree, but we just simply need to understand. And the reason why we need to understand is because we need to move to a place of understanding. Because if, if we divide this country into us versus them, meaning one wins and one loses, I often say to my students, you can win and still lose. I can win an argument. I can have a, an argument with my wife and win that argument, but I might lose something in the process. I might lose... Mm you know, a little bit of respect. I, you know, I might create in her a time when she might want to win the next time. And I think we kind of miss that idea of creating common ground where we can listen to each other and hear each other and understand one another. This, we, we hear each other. I, I hear this person saying this. I hear that person saying that. But I'm not sure if we're understanding each other and why you came to that. And, and at the same time, 
I need to understand why I came to this. So, so we can move to a middle ground beyond the note. I think the Rumi quote, uh, there's a field between the, the notions of right and wrong. Come and meet me there. We don't do that enough in this country where we can try to sort of move to a middle ground where we can both try to learn from each other and both benefit from it. I think that's where conflict resolution comes in. Conflict resolution means we don't have to always win. We can move to a place, a, a form of compromise where we both benefit. And the result of both benefiting from that, we both learn from that. And we are better people because of it. I think that I know that you're absolutely right. And this is a part of an, an emotional intelligence, being able to put your ego aside, right? I think too many people begin a dialogue or conversation with the intent of not even listening what is being said, but with providing the answer and proving him or herself. Which goes back, you can win, but you'll lose. And um, that was actually, believe it or not, taught to me by two, an Arab youth, a Palestinian youth, and a, an Israeli youth. I was doing a coexistence training. And uh, right before, the, I didn't even start the, the training yet. This was an organization called Caesar Peace that brings young people from war-torn areas, teach them peace-building skills so we can return them to their communities as peace-builders rather than peace breakers. It was a hot day. The cabin was about 90 degrees. It was hot outside. And a young man walks in and sits down. A young man, a Palestinian Christian named Tony, sits next to an Israeli student named Eldad. Dad had a long, big bottle of water. And Tony sits down and Eldad looks at Tony and says, where's your bottle of water? And Tony said, I didn't bring one. So Eldad said, okay, so let's, get an, let's have an understanding here. This is my bottle of water. It belongs to me. It's hot in here. But I want you to understand, I'm not sharing this bottle with you. As long as you understand that, we will get along. And I'm thinking to myself, I haven't even started coexistence. I'm going to have an international incident before I even get going. Right. And, and I saw Tony look at him and Tony thought for a second, he scratched his chin. He said, Eldad, he says, I see you're going to become my, my favorite enemy. But he said, I'm going to tell you this. He said, you're right. You have a bottle of water and I don't. And it is hot in here. But I want you to understand, I'm probably going to reach for that water. And I'm absolutely certain you're going to basically stop me from reaching for that water. And we're both going to struggle over that water. And you may get that bottle after our struggle, but because we struggled for it, you may go to drink that water and find, because of our struggle, there is no water, neither for you nor me. And as long as you understand that, we will get along. Wow. And I said to myself, yeah, what a perfect metaphor. Mm-hmm. And our dad looked at him and said, go get a cup. And he poured him a glass. And Aldad actually later on became the director of education at Caesar Peace in Jerusalem. So I'm maybe hoping that that little lesson maybe went a long way, but something I never forgot. In our struggles, you may win, but you can lose. I think as a nation, if we continue to struggle along this path, we can lose. We can win. Some sides will win, but in, in essence, as a nation, we will most certainly lose. Tell me more about Pathways to Peace and your role there. Pathways to Peace is, is a extraordinary organization began by David Madison, a career diplomat who worked for many years at the United Nations and then in the Baltic area representing the United States and peace building. But Pathways to Peace is truly focused worldwide on creating a culture of peace initiative. It means bringing thousands and thousands of players together, young people like yourself, young people, uh, people like yourself, I, youthfully young, forget forever young, but bringing together and bringing our strengths together to create a culture of peace. My strengths are education, your strengths are nutrition, well-being, empathy, love. We work with David Wick over in Oregon, who has a 
the peace flame. We work with uh, Shiva Kaur in California, who does the heart math, where they work with soldiers in peacekeeping situations, very difficult situations, teaching them how to remain calm and in peaceful situations. We work with Tezekiah Gabriel, who works with battered women throughout the United States and giving them a place, a safe place to, to thrive. Same thing with Katie McAvoy. Marlena Rosa, another representative. All the representatives bring to Pathways to Peace a belief in creating positive change or being the change they wish to see. Our recent addition, Ray Anderson, who is a, a poet and a musician who creates safe places to his music. I can't wait to meet him. Yeah, Ray is extraordinary. Lindy Crescitelli, who is a civil rights extraordinaire, a young man. Again, I always go back to the word young. I guess I see myself as youthful, even though I'm not youthful anymore. But Lindy, who brings to the table the idea of civil rights leadership and, and hope and peace and education. So Pathways to Peace is worldwide bringing all these dynamic pieces together, creating a culture of peace community. My role as primary representative is to attend conferences at the United Nations and to create connected dots, meaning connect people with these amazing abilities, with other people with amazing abilities and creating a better place, a better world where we can all thrive. And that's extremely yeah, important. It's an extraordinary role. You do it so well. I've seen it in action and I'm so excited to continue being a part of it. And I just want to share the reason you're using the word youthful is this. Something that I have observed from the beginning of my teaching experiences when I was in college in 1988. When you are a teacher and ed educator, you are consistently meeting new ideas, new people. You are, you stay young because you're exposed to energy and vitality and, and ideas and information and true teachers really do stay youthful. Something that I noticed because you're excited, you're excited about mentoring the youth and creating a better world and a better future. You know, Jody, you nailed it. <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. It's walking into a classroom and seeing the faces in front of me. We, and we become extended family. I've been doing this since 1993, this role as peace building. And many of my students went on. And we're still, we're still close. Many are still close. We, we are extended family because we did this together and we learned from together. We laughed together. We cried together. Uh, we built things together. And you're right. It's a blessed community that I belong to. I never felt like I've worked a day in my life. I've lived every moment. It's a blessing. That's all I can tell you. That's, that's I, I, I am sitting here in smiles and in admiration and in gratitude. You really are the epitome of all things good. And try not to get emotional, but I, I would love, you've given us so many quotes. I would love to, as we end our, our conversation, I would love for you to do two things. And one is to share a quote that you live by, a quote that inspires gratitude, resilience, hope in your life, and also how everyone can get in touch with you. Okay, that's great. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a big quote guy too. Uh, I have so many quotes. You know, I'm thinking like my mind is racing right now. I'm going through Kayla Gibran, who I absolutely adore as a poet. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Mother Teresa, oh my goodness. But I think uh, right now I'm going back to a Lakota saying that's in my classroom, uh, which is a very simple saying, which is we will forever be remembered by the tracks that we leave. I often say to my students, what tracks will you leave? 
and I'll go with that quote now. I know five minutes from now I'll say, oh, why didn't I come up with another quote? But that one is, is coming to my mind right now. George, you are indeed leaving a legacy or tracks. I am, I, I'm blessed by a beautiful family, beautiful. Uh, I am blessed. That's all I can tell you. And, uh, and being around people like you, meeting people like you and, and working with Seeds of Peace and working with Pathways to Peace and, and running the, the Global Institute of Emerging Leaders. It's a life that I think God wants me to do. And so as long as I can do, I will always do. And that's something uh, I cherish each and every day. Well, I think you have the energy to do it for many more decades. I mean, you have so much energy and commitment and compassion and the passion that comes through you when you're speaking about these issues and your work is, it's fascinating to watch and see it unfold. So I think that you have decades of this work in, in you. Uh, we'll see, Jody. I'm also <laughs> dreaming about that hammock, you know, off an island in Portugal somewhere. With oh, no. You will ne- you, let me tell you, my friend, you will never be lying in a hammock. You, you might, might get, get in a hammock, hammock right. and then you might be like, okay, wow, that was a quick two seconds. Right, let me go find a I feel refreshed, ready for my next thing. You and I, that's just not a part of our, our genetic makeup. I'm sorry to tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, well, I'll probably go in the hammock, have, have a margarita, get up, finish, and say, let me go find a school. <laughs> exactly. Uh, see exactly. what they're doing. <laughs> to get in touch with me, uh, you, you can reach me at, uh, I guess I can give my email. Is, is that all right? Or how to... Absolutely. Websites, emails, anything. I guess email would be georgeanthony4 at AOL.com. Don't laugh at me. I still use AOL. It's uh, I started with AOL. But georgeanthony4 at AOL. AOL.com. You can reach me at George Anthony at pathways to peace.org. Also, I guess peace dynamics.com. That's this website that Lindy, Christelle, and I uh, started many years ago. Peace dynamics.com gives you a little background of some of the work we've done. And moderndayprep.org. So moderndayprep.org and then just go find Global Leaders. That's somewhere in the menu. It's under, I think, Academics, Global Leaders. That would take you to my website. So there's pathwaystopeace.org, peacedynamics.org, moderndayprep.org, and georgeanthony4.org. Or you can call me, 732-895-1530. If you're looking for a speaker or a trainer in conflict transformation, 732-895-1530. I will be sharing these links Mm -hmm. when I share this publicly. Wonderful. But I will be sharing all of those links. And I highly recommend, highly recommend that people go check out Pathways to Peace. George, I could only give three sentences of your bio because it's about (laughs) 10 pages long. My friend, you are definitely living a life of gratitude to latitude. Thank you for sharing your stories of resilience and hope with us. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for spending this time, your precious coveted time with me today. And I continue, I will continue to support you. And I look forward to seeing what's in the future for you. So thank you so much, George. Thank you, Jody. And uh, as you know, I'm also in awe of you. I have been for many years. God bless and uh, continue resilience and strength going forward.
This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen.